I gathered a small group of 40 growth leaders from around the world to talk about what is the Web3 marketing stack going to look like. And that led to us creating the Safari community, which is now 300. And now Safari serves a very different purpose, which is much more of a developing the ecosystem rather than developing product adoption. Welcome to 023 Podcast, where we interviewed emerging founders in the Web3 ecosystems. We'll talk about how they got started, what they learned along the way, and we'll transform their stories into actionable insights. We're co-hosts. I'm Kaz. I'm Kevin. Today, we are joined by Justin Vogel, co-founder of Safari, a new powerful attribution system designed to bring Web3 to the masses and also the number one destination for Web3 growth leaders to exchange tactical insights. In today's show, Justin tells us his experience as a growth leader, the difficulties and lessons he faced as a first-time founder, how Safari became the most sought-after Web3 community, and finally, the strategy that gained him his first thousand followers on Twitter. Stick around to learn his exact method for becoming a prominent Web3 content creator. Justin begins by describing his journey from Web2 to Web3 and the origins of Safari. My background is all in growth. So I started off my career at an early Y Combinator startup as their first employee. I just did a lot of sales, marketing, ops, products alongside a team of three engineers. And I was managing a community of around 100,000 developers at that startup. So we were doing what one would call community-led growth at that point in time, though obviously didn't have that shiny, cool name back then. And so then the company was later acquired by Lyft. And so I went on and joined a new marketplace company called Sequoia, which was a scaling Series C company. I was doing traditional growth marketing and then built out the company's experimentation platform and was managing a team of 13. And then I left to join and dive into Web3 as a founder which was one year ago this month, so November 2021. And I was looking, so that was the peak of the bull market, as we remember. And I was looking at all this amazing growth happening across all these different companies and thinking like, is this growth real? Is it fake? What's going on? This growth is so much more powerful for a lot of these companies than anything that I had seen in my career up, up until that point in time. And I gathered a small group of 40 growth leaders from around the world to talk about what is Web3 growth actually look like? What is the Web3 marketing stack going to look like? Just really answer all these fundamental questions. And you know, none of us had the answers and many of us, but gathering just a, a group of thought leaders to think about the future of growth in Web3. And that led to us creating the Safari community, which is now 300. And slowly, but surely from there, we also started creating a, a product, which is attribution infrastructure. Through his conversations with other Web3 growth leaders about the future of growth, he found an opportunity that led him to create a new attribution infrastructure. We essentially have two projects. We have our community and we have our actual product. On the community side, I think that it presented a wide open, like white space of design choices and you know, really an opportunity to grow my career in a very new way for with a new industry. And so I wasn't doing anything crypto before, but I really saw an opportunity to, to combine all the interesting things that were going on in the crypto blockchain space with my background and growth. And so I saw this as a really unique opportunity and moment to take this next step and really bet on building a personal brand around Web3 growth. So that's more on the community side and the personal brand side. But for the product as well, I think that Web3 has very unique characteristics, especially around attribution. So attribution at its core is how do I you know, put $1 in and get $1.20 out for my business and know that the money that I'm spending is actually driving results. And in Web2, the, system, the attribution systems that exist are slowly dying for a number of different reasons, mainly I'd say like fang company infighting and trying to yeah, hurt each other's businesses. But 
in Web3, there's also a, a very unique data properties that make attribution very attractive and possible at a very high scale from the beginning to the open nature of blockchain. As a first-time founder, Justin quickly learned that a lot of Web3 founders are not just building a startup, but they're also shaping a new market. He dives into this further. This is my first time founding a company, and I'm sure that the, the challenges are, are just as hard in Web2, but I think the challenges are really much more fundamental for a lot of Web3 founders. A lot of Web3 founders are not just building a company, but they're also building an industry. Um, and this sort of ecosystem mindset is different from where a lot of Web2 founders begin today. Like if you were in Web2, if I was going to like build a productivity software of some kind, like productivity space already exists, right? Like that's like a no known. Okay, like now I'm going to build a company and differentiate myself in that market. But in Web3, what we saw with a lot of different founders, especially like, you know, I came into the space building a DAO tool a year ago, that market completely crumbled like two months later. There are other people that raised to build gaming guilds in Web3, market completely crumbled like three months later. And so there's unique challenges of both building a market, but also building a product within that market or a community within a market. And so I think that it's the unique challenges of being a Web3 founder are really being able to be grounded on the ecosystem that you're building rather than just a specific company or specific product within your space. The Safari community started out focusing on product adoption. This means creating new forms of utility for members to get value from each other outside of their platform. Up next, Justin tells us about Safari's new purpose. Overall experience growing communities, my background, as I mentioned, I'd worked for this company called Pramp, which was a mock interview tool for software engineers to practice interviewing. So they'd do a bi-directional interview, like I would interview you, you'd interview me back, and then we both provide each other feedback at the end of the interview. I was growing a community of developers and the community was primarily, had a, served a different purpose. It was really about product exploration and having members be able to interact with each other outside of our product as well. So for example, we wanted to validate whether system design interviews would be a great new interview for us to do with them. And we actually saw people organically setting up system design interviews, coordinating within our Discord. And so then we were like, oh, like, you know, people had requested this a lot and people are actually doing this organically. Like we should actually build it into our platform. So our community was very centered around increasing product adoption and creating new forms of utility for members to get value from each other outside of our platform. And now Safari serves a very different purpose, which is much more of a developing the ecosystem rather than developing product adoption. Many Web3 leaders created open communities for anyone to join, but Justin did the complete opposite. He focused on creating a tight-knit, closed community focusing only on growth leaders. The results speak for themselves. What I tend to think about growth, and this definitely is the case with Safari as community, is there are distinct moments in time when you can just try something different. And when we look at communities a year ago, communities were open, they were massive, tens of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people. They were text-based, so like tons and tons of threads, tons and tons of activity, impossible to keep up. And they were, what other interesting characteristics? I mean, those are the big ones. And so I said to myself, what if I just did, created a community that's the exact opposite of all these things? I want to create a closed community. I want it to be audio-based, not, not text-based. And I want to focus on a very specific segment, which is growth leaders, rather than creating a community for like every possible. And so I think that a combination of those factors, like my motivation in doing those things was more so like, I want to create a community that's easy for me to manage and managing like 100,000 people in the Discord like becomes chaos immediately. And I'd seen... As an early community leader in several other projects in Web3, I'd seen how much of a crazy disaster it is to manage like a community that goes from like zero to 10,000 in like its first three days. It's just madness. And so I think another like important element of this too is 
a lot of those very large communities were not really actually real communities. If we think about it back, they were large audiences that people had moved into a discord and then said, this is our community. And that's not really true. And when I think about community, I believe that members actually need to know each other personally, not necessarily like I know you because we're both living in San Francisco. I had a real interaction with another community member around something. And so none of that, that primarily did not exist in those types of communities. And I wanted to really ensure that the members of Safari were interconnected and knew each other. And another big difference between Safari in its early days and those communities is that those communities were primarily actually externally facing, right? By being open, they were seeing those communities as a way for acquisition, for other things. Um, and they were really focused on their Twitter personas and their presence and how their Discord drives activity on their Twitter, but less so thinking about like, how do we actually provide value for members of our community? And so Safari, you know, now we're more of a, a larger external facing brand, but at the time for the first like seven or eight months of Safari, we didn't really post on Twitter ever. We were really focused on how do we create the most utility and most member interconnectivity for this small group of people? And nothing else matters beyond that, right? And so I think that that approach is actually much more successful because what happened was we had all these community members who met other great people within our community and found great knowledge within the community. And then they wanted to get their friends in because they're like, this is like the best community I've ever been in. On that note, Justin shares a few stories of Safari community members who have learned a lot from other Web3 growth leaders. I actually heard from a member recently that some of the members that we let in for context are Web2 growth leaders that we think have interesting backgrounds and that we think the Web3 space would be better off if they were a Web3 growth leader. And so there's one guy who joined who had a really interesting background and he joined and then about two months later, he got his first Web3 growth role and he messaged me and said, you know, Safari was a huge talking point for me in my interviews to get my Web3 growth role. And so that was like a really crazy moment for me to be like, that's not really the desired outcome of our community, but like, it's awesome that we were the space that helped make that happen for this person. But there are also so many different ones too of like, people be like, oh, like, yeah, I was recently talking to this person, like they're really awesome. And now we're gonna do this thing together. And I'm like, oh, like, I don't know if you know, but like, they're also in Safari. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, we met in Safari. Like that's how we know each other. Um, and so there have been many examples of, of that. So yeah, I mean, we do really try hard from the beginning to match every member as well. So. We ensure that those who join meet one other person at the very beginning of their journey in Safari. And oftentimes these, you know, conversations and experiences extend far beyond Safari's walls in Discord as well. You might be wondering, how can I join Safari's community? Justin gives us some pointers on how to accomplish exactly that. So I'd say there are certainly two things. One is to be a growth leader, either in Web2 or Web3 today. We are, at this point in time, the community is around 50% growth leaders, either Web2 or Web3, but primarily Web3, 30% founders, and then 20% from other segments, whether they're designers or analysts or engineers or investors. So that's the easy but hard one at the same time. If you're a growth leader, your chances are significantly higher than anybody else to get into our community. But the second thing is you can really get in front of us by writing great content on Web3 growth, even while being part of a, being a member of another segment is there are very few people today writing about Web3 growth or Web3 community building in a sophisticated way or even just even like at all, we've identified within Safari around 40 great articles and resources on Web3 growth over the last year. Like there's not, there's really not much out there. So if you're writing about Web3 growth, that will definitely be a great way to get on our radar. The next topic we talk about are Justin's tips for running a Web3 startup. 
He mentions two main pillars, which are community building and education. I think that a lot of people, you know, a lot of the focus in Web3 today is around A, community building and B, education. And these two things come together with content. And content is extremely difficult to create high quality content, but many people create and spend a lot of time creating content before they've actually validated whether people want that content. And so I think about community building content and product in the exact same way, which is you wanna validate that people actually want what you're gonna create before you spend the time creating it. This all comes together as distribution, like validating whether people actually want what you're producing. And I have a very concrete example of this, which is you might've seen our growth technology marketing map that we put out that was like a huge hit. I had no idea that that was gonna be a huge hit for the record. If you look at our Twitter about two weeks before we released the map, we, we did like a teaser post saying, hey, we're creating this map. We're going to create a map of all the products, all the investors, et cetera, in the space. And if you want to be on the map, like, you know, submit here. And so then we saw a lot of products apply, not very many investors. So we we're like, okay, we're not going to build the investor map, right? So we're like, okay, people don't care about that. They just care about products. So then I, after that, I did another post and said, hey, we created this map. You know, it has a lot of these great teams. Who wants it? For a lot of people commented saying that they wanted the map. I validated that people want it and now I'm going to make the map. And then on my Twitter, I wrote, you know, this was like a huge success. I created a playbook of how I made this like Twitter thread explode of this map. Who wants it? Crickets. <laughs> Nothing. So I was like, okay, well, I don't think that people want this, but like, let me just send later to our newsletter. It seems like people didn't want it. And then maybe if I send it to our audience, people will say, oh, you should have created that playbook. Let's see it. Nobody did. So I never created it. So that's an example of like, I think that you need to both communities that you might build and content that you might build and anything else, try and validate that people actually want it before you spend the laborious hard work and time creating it. Because one, you validate that people want it. And two, you, it puts you on the clock, right? Justin entered Web3 without any connections in the space. So how was he able to build such a great platform from the ground up? Here's a strategy on how to start from scratch. I got into the space as a founder who didn't know anybody in the space. I did not know anybody in crypto when I entered last year. And I got really got started by writing thread summaries of popular Web3 crypto articles. And that helped me slowly grow my audience and become known as a Web3 content creator. It is, as you all know, at Zipsy, creating high quality content on Web3 is very difficult. Um, creating original content is very difficult, but actually summarizing content that other people created is not that hard. And also it enables you to learn about a lot of different subjects as well. And so that was a huge key unlock for me in getting my first thousand-ish followers, all highly engaged around Web3. I'd never had a Twitter before, um, before I entered Web3. So I'd say, you know, if you're getting into Web3 today, a great way to start is by summarizing Web3 articles on Twitter and people will naturally find you and opportunities will find you because people are, are in high desperate need for great Web3 content creators. Not enough of them exist today. And that's just a way for you to build your resume today. The last thing I asked Justin is, what's next for Safari? So we actually just launched our attribution product. It's live in the market today. And as a quick recap, it's like a Google Analytics alternative for Web3. So it enables you to understand how the wallets that connect to your website, what channels they come from, and what they do in the future. And so that is already live with a number of different Web3 games. So we'll continue working on that on the product side. For the community side, we will do our fifth batch in January. So that'll be the next opportunity for prospective growth leaders to join our next batch of 80. Um, and yeah, in terms of the, the ecosystem, yeah, keep it, keep on looking at Web3 growth leaders. They're doing some very exciting things across projects. Among Web3 growth communities, Safari has become the most desirable. Their attribution product has also recently gone live.
it's the Web3 equivalent of Google Analytics. They are also opening up another batch to give the opportunity for new growth leaders to join their community. If you liked this 0 to 3 episode, please leave us a review. We're just starting out, so every review really helps. Follow us on Twitter at Zipsy.com if you don't want to miss an episode. That way, you'll be able to see every time a new show goes live. That's all for me today. Thank you for listening to this episode of 0 to 3.